Hello and welcome to a new episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr, where we talk about the art and culture of running an independent record label. If you've been listening to the show for the past three years, you know that we primarily interview independent record labels, but occasionally we have these episodes, which we call Industry Insiders, where we interview a organization or a company that helps and serves independent record labels. And there's no greater example of that than today's guest, A2IM, the organization A2IM, which stands for the American Association of Independent Music. And today my conversation is with Alyssa Mark, who is the Senior Director of Label Member Relations. I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. And I know that our audience are very familiar with A2IM. Or I should say we're familiar with A2IM, but I know there's a lot of uh, smaller labels who may not be overly familiar with exactly what they do. And so we dive into that and we talk a lot about what it means to be independent. And we talk a lot about what the organization is doing for not just the big indie labels, but how um, all of their advocacy and their support will actually trickles down to independent labels and independent musicians of all sizes. So it's a very exciting um, and very informative interview today. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make an, uh, a URL on our website, otherrecordlabels.com slash A2, the number two, I am. A2IM. And I'm going to make a site there where I'll put this episode and any other further resources and information about A2IM. So if you wanted to know a little bit more, then go to otherrecordlabels.com slash A2IM. Also, don't forget, if you go to otherrecordlabels.com, as one of our big resources there that is super popular, downloaded dozens of times a day, is our record label toolkit. And that is just this ongoing um, compiling folder of resources for independent record labels of all sizes. And you can download that for free by going to otherrecordlabels.com slash toolkit. You know, the thing with A2IM is, and, and I think there's probably a lot of our listeners who are in this boat, it would be like, like I, I'm so familiar with the organization and, and I've heard of it and I um, have you know, respect for it. And, but I just really ultimately don't know very much about it. <laughs> I'm sure, sure, sure a lot of our listeners might be in the same boat. You know, it's interesting. As I was thinking, I was reminded of um, um, our city, you know, put together kind of a music committee to try to help artists. And it didn't go so well because it was kind of run by politicians. And I was thinking about like, how does an organization who's meant to represent independent labels maintain that? independent integrity or that DIY mentality while at the same time, like being professional and, and an impactful organization. Uh, like, does that make any sense? Like that must be, you know, something just kind of trying to keep um, your foot in that um, independent label mentality, DIY mentality. Sure. Well, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, being independent literally means that you are you are not part of the major label ecosystem, mm. right? You know, big music, if you will. And, uh, you know, there's going to be companies of all shapes and sizes that are that are outside of that space. And there right. are going to be hugely successful ones. You're going to have stuff like Big Machine Label Group and mm. Concord, uh, Beggars Group, E1. And, and then there are going to be smaller and, and medium ones as well, you know, just like within any industry. 
you know, we, we can kind of sit and nitpick at some of these companies. You know, we can look to dissect every revenue vertical they have, any financial support they receive. Um, you know, obviously in saying that, that means that, you know, they're not doing anything shady or, or any <laughs> sure, major sure, sure. going on, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I, I think the way that we really approach it is more like what are these companies doing to support the independent sector and what walls are they helping to break down so so smaller labels have a chance at success? Are right. they supporting their local trade association? Are they providing fair and transparent deals to their artists? Are, are they creating a healthy work environment for their employees? You know, um, mm. if, if a company is positively contributing to, to the space it occupies, I, you know, I don't think it's necessarily fair to, uh, you know, to, to, to look at them negatively or to have that same kind of like a, uh, mental de- debate if you will you yeah know? yeah um, that's fair yeah i i know i definitely feel like you know a lot of a lot of our members still have that um you know holding grasping onto that identity that we've grown so accustomed to since the 90s where you know indies really meant grunge and and yeah, punk yeah. And, and diy <laughs> yeah um, but but if we are working with larger companies like this, and there are many larger companies who are very very um, who are who are large contributors to our, our organization, you know, I, I think it's important to remember that aspect as well. And you know, in, in in saying that, there are certainly companies who are out there who are not helpful and who are not doing good. Mm. Um, but we, you know, for the most part, all, all of our members are are really still positive con- contributors to to the space that they occupy. So I think that's kind of how we like to look at it. The the website. So let's get let's get this clear. So the website says you're this collective voice of independent music, and I guess that the idea is like individually, one indie record label likely can't evoke change compared to a major label, but all of the indies together probably amount to quite a lot of authority in the industry. Is that the idea? Absolutely. Yeah. So would it would it be helpful if I give you like a little bit of a what is a two I Please. Yeah. Sure. Let's <laughs> let's do that. Let's do that. Okay, great. So, so A2IM is a 501c6 not-for-profit trade association, and we represent independent copyright holders across the United States. Um, because we work with so many subsectors of the independent space, um, you know, we work with record labels of all sizes and genres. We work with independent artists, uh, music tech startups, etc. We we like to think of ourselves, as you just said, the collective voice of independent music. Mm. And um, you know, A2IM's main objective is to promote growth awareness and an opportunity for independent record labels and artists. And uh, we do this through heavy advocacy work, education, and community. So A2IM was started about, uh, what is it, 2021? It started about 16 years ago in 2005 to, to deal with the coming age of the, um, to deal with the coming of the digital age that was sparked by iTunes. You know, labels were beginning to upload music to the iTunes store and majors were receiving, I believe it was 70 cents on the dollar and indies were getting 65. Obviously oh, a huge problem there. I didn't know yeah. that. That's cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and, it's uh, interesting. <laughs> it's not cool, not but cool. it's interesting. Not cool per se. <laughs> um, but A2IM was instrumental in leveling the playing field in that case, along mm. with some other organizations and artist advocates. And and the reason we were so successful in that fight is because we had the collective power of around, it was 60, 65 labels that started the organization mm. um, that came together to, to battle against that. You know, um, so many times I, I think we hear the word independent, and we take that quite literally, you know, thinking right. that you need to do everything on your own in right. order to maintain that title. And, you know, it's it's just so not true. 
Yeah. We are so much more impactful when we are all working together um, as a community, especially when you're working on initiatives that directly support and impact and better a community. Um, so, so that's how H2IM came to be. And we, we've been growing steadily as an organization ever since. We, we started off with about 65 labels, and we now represent over 600 independent record labels across the United States, um, wow. along, with over, yeah, along with over 200 music services who have companies that directly support independent labels, um, you know, like royalty accounting softwares, mm. uh, entertainment firms, marketing agencies, all of the DSPs are members as well. Um, and our main objective is, uh, is, is to ensure that we are providing the resources that these companies need in order to successfully grow their business and become or maintain net positive. You know, at the end of the day, it all comes down to maintaining the value of intellectual property. You know, making sure that copyright is continually held mm. to the standard it deserves and, you know, that it doesn't diminish or become threatened. Uh, obviously, much easier said than done sure. in the digital age we're in right now. But um, that that's kind of where our efforts are focused daily. Um, the So a label becomes members. What does that what does that mean for a label? What does that look like? So we have um, three different types of memberships that we offer, a label membership, an associate membership, and a dual membership. A label membership is open to anybody who owns or operates masters within the United States. Hmm. And an associate membership is open to people who are on the non-recorded side of the industry. So those are all of those like royalty accounting software, sure. the DSPs and the marketing services that I mentioned. And the reason that we have associate members as part of the organization is that's a great way for us to introduce vetted and new services to our members for things that will directly help them and better their businesses. Right. And then we have that um, last membership, which is a dual membership. And we have about like 85 companies who fall in that area. And that's if you have a company that operates on both the associate and label side. So, you know, if you run a label and you have a publishing wing or you have a management division, something like that. Right, right. Um, that means that you can join and you can pay one set of dues, but you'll actually get both benefits that come along with being part of the organization. And I would love to tell you just really quickly how our dues work as well, because we really do try to be as fair and equitable as possible. We yeah, want to make sure. sure that any label is able to join if they um, if they have the means to do so. So what we do is um, we look at your overall market share against the rest of the independent sector, and we calculate that to give you a custom dues figure. So for example, we don't want a brand new DIY label that is in you know its, its first or second year of running coming in having to pay the same dues that beggars group needs to pay right. a company that's been in business for over, you know, 25 years yeah, has right. like seven sub labels and so on. Um, so the larger your label is and the more that you're contributing to the independent space, the higher your dues are going to be. And if you fall under our baseline for um, our entry level dues, you'll automatically qualify to pay the, the minimum price. Right, 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 right. And so you're saying, does it does it make sense for a small, like one person DIY operation to become a member? In in your opinion, absolutely. We have a ton of one man operations who are part of the organization, but I, I think it's going to depend on the goals of the label. Is this yeah. a passive thing for you? Is it a hobby? Is this right. something that you're trying to make revenue and a living from? How many artists are you working with? You know. At what stage of the um, development are you at for the label? There are so many factors that come into play. What is the that that's true? That makes a lot of sense. What is the maybe I stumbled upon an old irrelevant uh, article now, but what is the supporter program? 
that is a good question. I have never heard of that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, yeah. think, I think it might be a little bit of an older um, Okay, article. you know what? Sorry, I should have checked the date on it. But I, I and, and I stumbled across it, and I wasn't sure if it was for small, super small indies or if it was for musicians. That's what I... It may have been uh, like a way for independent musicians to kind of receive some of the benefits for but not signing up as a company but just signing up as themselves and again yeah sorry i was gonna say we so we we do have a program called a2im artist okay and that is yeah and that is geared towards helping self-releasing independent artists successfully build a career um and that is free to join so you don't have to pay any type of membership dues um, so that's still probably different from the the supporter program you're thinking of, but that is a way that we still offer out services and, and educational opportunities to to non-members. Okay, that's cool. No, that's cool. Yeah, I wasn't sure um, where I stumbled across that. What's what's your role and, and how did you come to A- A2IM? How long have you been there? So this will be, I'm just there for about a year and a half now, a little over a year oh, nice. and a half. Yeah, and I am the senior director of label member relations over there. And I actually, I joined the company at a very interesting time because um, as I'm sure you can imagine from the title, I have a very hands-on role and it's uh, a, a lot of in-person <laughs> work. Yes. Um, you yeah. know, it's it's kind of me working with about 700 of our, our label and dual members and, uh, you know, being the main liaison between all A2IM activities, disseminating information to them regularly, right. being there as almost like an AMA, if you will, anytime you have a question or you need a new <laughs> connection to somebody. Yeah. I know. I hope I don't regret saying that. (laughs) Um, You know, somebody in the organization. And I joined right before lockdowns happened. Oh my gosh. So So you've missed out on like conferences and festivals and stuff. Like things where you really would have been able to network and meet with people. Exactly. And so, you know, all that stuff is, it's fun and it, you know, it can be a good time, but it's also really important specifically for my role to to create these relationships, to have an understanding of everything that's going on in our membership, to really gauge a pulse of where the sector is at. So, um, you know, there's, there's been some unique challenges that, that have come along with, with starting at this time, but I, I have to say our members are so incredible and so many people have still reached out and it's really, you know, we've, we've found a good way to to communicate and you know make sure that I'm I'm still readily involved with a lot of the, the heads of the labels and you know chatting regularly with them and and still grabbing a pulse on what's going on. That's really interesting. How does the team work um, with the the people you work with? Because I saw that you have a board and it looks like a lot of label people. Some people we've had on the show and some people we've begged to be on the show and have ignored our <laughs> emails. And 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 but then you have some. There's a staff. So what's the kind of the structure? Yes. So we're a pretty uh, nimble team, to be honest. We've got, I think, what are we now? We've got 10 employees. Um, So my president and CEO of A2IM is Dr. Richard James Burgess. He is a musicologist. He used to be the former general manager over at Smithsonian Folkways. Mm. He's a musician himself. He's been playing music since the 60s. He is an incredible resource to to utilize. Um, And he oversees the entire team. And then we have two women who are above me, Lisa Resco and Cheryl Cohen, general manager and head of strategic planning. And then we have a few other people who are on the membership team with me as well. We have somebody who handles our sales and sponsorships. 
We have somebody who handles all of our public relations and our social media. And then we have another guy who handles our operations and um, uh, just making sure everything is running smoothly. And then we also have a man named Josh Hurwitz, and he is our DC advocate. So he's not oh, in the cool. office with us regularly, oh, but he's the one who's over there kind of keeping us up to date on everything that's going on, taking in-person meetings when we don't have the opportunity to travel well, um, and so on. Speaking of DC, I, I wanted to know, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but are there notable accomplishments either in Congress or or with the DSPs that that the organization has been a part of in the past that maybe our audience are, is not aware of? Like that was because of A two I M. Oh, absolutely! We have a ton of stuff that yeah, we can please, talk about. Share. Let's do it. Um, and maybe it will be a little um, like to, to, to keep things organized. I wonder if it would be a little helpful if. I tell you, like, so ATIM was founded on three pillars, government advocacy, fostering community, and um, education. Okay. So maybe I can, like, yeah, run please. you through yeah, I'm what very, that yeah. means. And then um, I can tell you about, like, some of the, some of the actual work we've done because we've, we've really done some great stuff the past year. I'm very proud of everyone involved. This is, <laughs> this to me is, like, I, I think I just want to learn. And going through your website is helpful, but it's just so, it's so much easier for a lot of us to to learn about the organization just by hearing you discuss it and 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 through the story so please oh yeah okay all right so we'll we'll start off with the first pillar which is government advocacy <laughs> um so so a large part of what we really do benefits all copyright holders you know mm. regardless if yes, they're members of right. a2im or not and, and and really regardless if they're independent or not you know, um, so our, our CEO and president, um, Dr. Burgess, who I just mentioned, he fights to be the advocate for all of us down in D.C. You know, he's mm. obviously before COVID regularly down there taking meetings with key members of our government around any initiatives that, you know, directly have an effect on our members. And he's always making sure that independents have a seat at the table and an opportunity to raise our voice and, and represent our, uh, our sector fairly. Um, so we have Josh, who's down in D.C., who, as I just mentioned before, he's instrumental in keeping us up to date on all of the latest issues and events that are going on nationally. And, and then we're also part of a ton of um, other larger networks that, that, that help to keep us plugged in and connected on international issues as well. So we're, we're part of WIN, which is the Worldwide Independent Network. Um, that's kind of the trade association for all indie trade associations, if you will. Right. <laughs> so that connects us with, you know, Impala and SEMA and um, AIM over in the UK, our sister organization. Okay. Um, we work very closely with Sound Exchange. We're part right. of the Music First Coalition, which is fighting to secure performance rights for artists on terrestrial radio. I'll, I'll tell you more mm. about that in a second. Um, we also work quite closely with Merlin and the RIAA, um, you know, right. maintaining a, a pulse on policy and, and anything that could have an impact on our members, you know, wh whether that's positive or negative, that's that's really the utmost importance to us. You know, having money from member dues to help fund these efforts is crucial. But, sure. you know, as I said, at, at the end of the day, this work goes to benefit all rights holders, not just A2IM members. So our, our actions are really so crucial to the health of the music industry. And yeah. um, I, I can jump into some of the latest efforts we've been uh, focused on in a minute. I'll, I'll just wrap up the other sure. first two uh, pillars. <laughs> um, what, where am I? We did uh, community. advocacy. Community. All right. Fostering community. So this is huge for us. Uh, so, so as I said, when I first introduced the organization, a, a lot of independent companies are tiny. I mean, one, yeah. two, three-person operations. 
you know, the amount of outside resources and knowledge that you need to successfully build and grow a label is is mind blowing. I mean, obviously, you know this. This is what your entire career That's is focused right. around. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Um, but it, you know, it, it can feel quite lonely and, and daunting sometimes going at it on your own, mm. which is why community is such an important element of what A2IM provides, you know, uh, through our flagship events and, and representation at major conferences and festivals throughout the year, where we're really able to offer intimate networking opportunities to our memberships that, you know, more often than not go on to lead to new business ventures or, or new partnership opportunities, even new friendships. Yeah. And, and a sense of belonging <laughs> with your with your fellow peers. You know, if if you're brand new to this industry and, and you're really looking to launch a successful label, there is a hell of a lot that you need to know. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. And like there's also a hell of a lot of partners that you need to have in order to successfully function. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> HUIM is is a central place for you to come in and, and dial into all of those connections. You know, if you need a distribution recommendation, if you need a better understanding of how Merlin operates, you want to talk to other digital marketers to learn more about their approach to TikTok because you have absolutely no idea how to do it. <laughs> you know, we're, we're the network to tap into for all of this. Um, and, and one of the, one of the biggest ways that we, we like to foster community is through our flagship event called Indie Week. Right. And, uh, that, that takes place every June and we have participants traveling from all over the world to attend. It's a, it's a four day conference filled with panels about subjects that are heavily relevant to the independent sector. We run workshops with the major DSPs like Spotify, Amazon, Apple music, YouTube. Uh, we have international delegation booths and showcases and lots and lots of networking opportunities opportunities. It is like the place to be if you are hungry to learn and, and meet your fellow peers and, and expand your label presence within the sector. And and the final one is education? Yes. Our last pillar is education. And, you know, we feel that when you join A2IM as a member that, uh, you know, it, it is our duty to provide as much education as possible to you to, uh, to help aid in the growth and development of your business. Uh, I, li- I like to think that we are uniquely positioned as, as an organization to advise on best practices because we work with both master owners and service providers. So um, we are that's an antitrust right. yeah, organization. That's true. Yeah. So, um, we, you know, we can't discuss financial deal terms or, or statutory rates or anything, but we can still help to educate on those topics. Um, we have a web series called In Discussion that we run monthly where we mm-hmm. gather members to talk about subjects that are heavily impacting the independent sector. We provided a ton of educational resources for for how to deal with the impact of COVID-19 on your business last year when things kicked off, Um, you know, ways to apply for the Paycheck Protection Program, how to apply for unemployment benefits. Um, It's it's, it's a mix of like industry education that is specific to the music space, as as well as keeping members educated on the the, the legislation going on that impacts them and, um, you know, kind of being that AMA resource. Um, if you will, yeah, you know, sure. we're, we're always here to either help answer the question or or field you over to somebody who's more poised on the subject and can help if it's if it's not our specialty. Is there um, and, and so when you're talking about going back to like the the the, the agencies that that um, or, or the the supportive companies that serve record labels sure. that are members of your organizations, um, so so if somebody's looking for a music attorney uh, or those kind of things, they can find somebody who's been vetted by you 
Is that right? Absolutely. Yes. So every associate member that we bring in does go through a very brief vetting process to make sure that it is a service that is, you know, positive for independents to use. It's nothing that is fake or could devalue copyright or is anything that shady. So that's another benefit of being part of the organization as you know that any service that you are presented, it has already gotten the okay by team A2IM and by our board of directors as well. And okay, that's that's great. So let's go back to and and you can interrupt me if you have examples. But let's go back to sure. some of like the the things working with the government. And I I, I kind of the the one that pops into my mind would be the Music Modernization Act. I don't know if if A two I M was involved with that, but can you walk us through some of the things that you've done with 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 respect to copyrights or or with um, mechanicals or whatever? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm thinking, so some of the stuff, some of the biggest stuff that we did last year, um, around the Black Lives Matter movement, we were a really large part of putting together a letter to Governor Cuomo, oh, former Governor Cuomo, um, <laughs> urging for, for the full This is an up-to-date of, um, show, everyone. This is very <laughs> relevant. <laughs> this, is, this is August 2021. <laughs> um, uh, but that was um, putting together a letter um, to, to former Governor Cuomo urging for the full repeal of 50A that was making police officer records publicly available. And we ended up getting signatures from our entire membership to back up that request. Wow. Um, we also put together a huge initial COVID relief package for our members with information on ways to apply for the PPP loans, information that they can pass to their employees and their artists for unemployment and, and small business grants. Um, and then we worked with Neva to push forward the Restart Act, which would provide long-term relief to independent venues. We actually had a member who went and was one of the founding um, board members to start Neva. So it was very cool to, to see that come to fruition. Cool. Yeah. Um, but main focus is this year. You know, we are always working on possible improvements to the notice and takedown provisions of the DMCA. It is a long process, mm-hmm. but, you know, we're staying on the course. We were we were part of a coalition that eventually got the CASE Act passed as well. The CASE Act creates a small claims court for copyright owners. Um, the bill will take time to be implemented, but, you know, the passage of the bill was a huge win for all copyright owners. It means that if you have a smaller infringement, you can go to a small claims and take care of it as opposed to having to get a lawyer and making just a huge ordeal out of everything. Sure. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what else we have done. We championed the HITS Act along with the Recording Academy earlier this summer as a bill that would allow labels and artists to recover their recording costs in the year that they actually incurred hmm. instead of having to amortize them over several years, which is currently the case. So if cash flow is of, you know, any issues for, for a lot of independent artists, which it really is, um, this was a huge, huge win for us. Uh, um, and the, oh, go no, ahead. no, go ahead. No, no. I would say the, the, the biggest thing that we've been working on right now, um, is, uh, passing a terrestrial performance right for AM FM radio. And, um, that oh. is in conjunction with the music first coalition, which is, um, I think I had mentioned that a, a few minutes ago. Okay. Can you explain um, how that? Absolutely. So the U.S. is the only modern country in the entire world to not pay a public performance right to creators for play on AM, FM radio. Is that true for television as well? Like for all broadcast? It is for terrestrial radio. Okay. Okay. Yes. So you you don't have a statutory rate for... Correct. Wow. I I think I had heard that recently. but I didn't believe it. That's interesting. Because it just seems impossible, right? <laughs> yes, it, it seems impossible. <laughs> that's that's right. Yeah, that's right. 
Yeah. And um, it also means that when U.S. artists are played internationally, they don't receive a public performance right because international artists will not receive one when they're played on U.S. radio. So it's like this whole horrible mess. It's been going on since like radio started in like the 20s, I believe. And, you know, this has been a big priority for us because we we finally feel that radio is starting to lose its power then, you know, in comparison to, to 20 to 30 years sure, ago. Sure, you know? sure. Because they, were, um, they you know, were against this, right? Like this is a lot of, this is a headache for them. It costs them money, right? Oh, this is a huge, huge thing that we're in with the NAB, which is the National Association of Broadcasters. You know, how many times have you heard that, you know, this is free promotion and and radio Mm -hmm. sells music, but really what it is, is music sells radio, right? Yeah. (laughs) Fans are tuning into radio to hear music. They're not turning in to hear ads. Music is essential in order to fund these conglomerates. And I think if, if we look back, you know, like 10, 20 years ago, um, obviously there was a promotional element that came with it, of course, but you know, that, that was also back when like, CDs and cassettes and vinyls were being sold, physical yeah. product. You know, yeah. a CD was like 20 bucks then. Sure. We're in a streaming environment now. You know, people don't rely on radio for new music discovery as much, but it also doesn't drive them to purchase music in a physical manner in the same way that it did 20 to 30 years ago. Sure. So just like these outdated claims that are still being made by these huge conglomerates are just so unforthcoming and so ridiculous and so blatantly false. Well, and you have we countries have, who are who are accurately re- reporting the the plays that they do, and then paying for them. So it's not like it's impossible to to accomplish. Of course not. It's just it gets to all the the big firms at the end of the day who are like refusing to give up on it. So wow. we're part of um, the Music First Coalition, and that is with a bunch of other TAs. Um, so the RIAA are in there, the Recording Academy, um, SAG-AFTRA, Sound Exchange, and we've really been revamping our efforts over the past few months. Like we just got a new lobbying firm. Um, we have a new PR and social media company that we're working with, and you know we. Feel like we're 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 inching our way there. Um, this is a like 50, 60 year battle, um, if not longer. Unbelievable! So, wow. Now, yeah. now satellite radio is different, though. How did that become different? And, and is is that uh, uh, handled through sound exchange? Is that true? Is satellite radio different? Yes. Any type of non interactive oh. um, radio will be treated differently than um, an interactive. So um, even though even though terrestrial radio is still non-interactive, right? But it's not digital on demand. Ah, So like if you go to Pandora and you put on like an Earth, Wind and Fire radio channel, you're not going to be able to to choose the actual songs that come along, but you're still choosing the genre and the the mood that you want to listen to. So that would be considered non-interactive. And um, those funds would go through sound exchange. Exactly. Wow. Well, that's really, yeah, no, that's really interesting. And so you guys are are a part of that. And and that would be looking for, okay, yeah, yeah, it's a performance royalty. And so that would be something that would then eventually go to Ask ASCAP and BMI to, to mm-hmm. okay, very cool. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm trying to think any anything else big that we've worked on. You know, our other lobbying efforts, we usually go straight to the membership for many things, but there's surveys, personal interviews, you know, grabbing the pulse on what's going on internally. Um. Essentially, anything that is going to devalue copyright is going to be a red flag for us. Can we talk a little bit about like a program similar to like, uh, like a program example, like the Black Independent Music Accelerator program? I, I imagine there are things like that within your organization as well. 
Oh, yeah. That was a huge initiative that we launched last year, um, or excuse me, that we launched at the beginning of this year, and it's been going fabulously. Um, so that is the BEMA program, Black Independent Music Accelerator, and it is a fellowship grant that we designed to amplify Black voices in the independent mm -hmm. music community. And this is actually a project that we had been working on for, for years um, before the BLM movement happened and everything. You know, the, the very first day when I started at the organization, Richard said to me, he was like, your job is to diversify the membership as much as possible. We need more Latin labels. We need more right. Black-owned labels. We need more eh, eh, any type of minority-owned labels. That is very important to us, making sure that, you know, not only we feel like we're represented, members all across the board, but that our membership can also see the truly diverse elements that create the, the independent space. So we started BIMA because we realized that when we were running our board elections, in order to be eligible to run for the board, you need to be either a, a C-suite level executive or you need to be a founder or owner of the organization. And we simply found that that was so limiting just because we didn't have that many Black-owned labels, regardless mm. of whether it was like a traditional genre that you would associate that way, or whether there was somebody who was very high up who was of color, but they weren't actually the C-suite level. Yeah. And that was very limiting as to the diversity that it was able to bring into the board. So we started BEMA. And what it is, is we subsidize dues for 31 independent Black-owned labels. And in addition to getting their dues subsidized throughout the year, we've been running um, custom programming for them, everything with like re uh, legal roundtables, professional development workshops. We did private workshops with Apple and Spotify so far. Wow. Um, they have a private Slack channel that they're able to chat with everybody on. And then they also get complimentary tickets to all A2IM proper events throughout the year. Wow, that's incredible. Um, I've, heard, yeah, I've heard great things about it. Oh, good. Yeah, because you spoke to Katrina from Loretta Records. That's right. Recently, yeah. Right? Big fan. Yeah. And, and um, sorry, go ahead. No, no, please go ahead. Um, and so uh, are, are there, I, I love programs like this. I think this is so important. Uh, this is my dream. I would love to do something similar. Um, you know, just the idea of um, not only providing education, but actually, you know, putting your money where your mouth is and, and, and helping people, um, just giving them a jump start like this. Um, it's incredible. Are there, uh, is, is this, so this is 31 people a year. Will there be new labels that will be brought in next year? Is that how it works? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So we're still figuring out how the second year will work. Like once the fellows finish, we would probably like to do some type of partial subsidized dues. We don't want to just go from zero to a hundred. Obviously, yeah, sure, if a certain label sure. can't afford it or so on. So we're working that out internally. But yes, this is a program that we are going to continue to run. And hopefully we'll be able to bring more than 31 on this year. You know, this was the first time that we, we did anything like this. So we got a few sponsors who are involved. And, um, you know, we've had great support from Spotify and some other members companies like symphonic distribution made mm -hmm. in memphis entertainment um but yeah i mean hopefully next year we'll be able to bring on 62 you know and, and well that's cool it. yeah i mean there is something nice like the more people the better but there is something nice about having an intimate group where you know just like a small class size basically that they have more uh intimate connections with each other and with the instructors and so on yeah, it's um, it's it's really been wonderful, and um, you know, talking about balance and diversity again, those are 
such core qualities to A2IM. Every panel that we put on in any um, event that we host is always gender balanced and um, always racially balanced as well. We do our best. So it's something that's very important to us and and we've been instilling for quite a few years. Totally. Are there other similar programs to this? Are there other grant programs or... or, um... Any other? Is, is there anything else in this in this vein? Yeah. Um, so I briefly mentioned A2IM artists, um, and again, that was designed to help uh, support self-releasing independent artists uh, through providing them resources. You know, we had been holding in-person events before COVID happened, so we switched to virtual roundtables. But mm-hmm. you know, our goal there is to create a community for young DIY artists to convene and, and be able to chat with one another and, and get a hold of resources. These are people who are not going to be quite ready to join A2IM sure. just yet because they're still in you know the very early steps of their career and they may not even want to do a record label. They may want to do it themselves as an independent yeah. artist. Um, but, you know, d- despite the lockdowns, we actually held quite a few well-attended virtual events and um, we populate our online resource guide every Wednesday with quality quant- uh quality content from there um we got to we got to partner with some pretty cool organizations as well throughout last year so we could align our programming with the needs of local artists so we did something with the columbus music commission we did something with the motown musicians accelerator in detroit Um, we worked with the memphis chapter of the recording academy and um, then we worked with the louisiana entertainment office oh and we also did something i forgot for um uh, New York Music Week with the Mayor's Office of Media and Entertainment um, back in June. That's very cool. I've always I've always dreamed of the the idea of of getting involved or, or you know teaching the idea of of record labels or music marketing to to kids like you know some sort of like day camp or summer camp program. I just feel like you know same thing with like recording studios. Like there's there's obviously soccer camps and and dance camps and you know, hockey camps and all those types of camps. But uh, I think it's due time for, um, you know, more specific music camps. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I do, that's just that. like, I just love that idea. I hope to see that one day, a record label yeah. camp for kids. <laughs> I, I would send my kids there. Sign yeah. me up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, is there, um, yeah, go we, ahead. I was going to say we just because you because you mentioned um, you know teaching and mentorship we do, we do run one other um, large initiative throughout the year and that's our mentorship program and I'm very proud okay. of that because we're now in our, our fifth cycle of the program and it's it's really one of the biggest benefits that comes along with being part of A2IM we had I think over 40 participants in the past cohort we run it two times a year and you are matched up with somebody in the industry based on you know the specific field that you're in and any of the skill sets that you would like to bring on if you pro- if you're a woman and you prefer to be matched with another woman we take oh. that into account and we ask that our mentor mentee pairs meet for a minimum of one hour a month to work on professional development and growth but i mean nearly every pair that we talk to ends up speaking at least an hour weekly so wow. it's been so wonderful and a lot of times the the feedback that we get from the mentors is like i have equally learned as much as my mentee has learned from me no whether way. that is anything outside of the music space and it's work-life balance or it's a new like technology that they were not aware of it's, this it's, is very um, cool it's, it's very humbling yeah it's like the big brother big sister uh organization exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so and- like a small label is paired up with a more experienced label are they all label people or would they be industry people 
It's all industry people. So it could okay. be somebody from YouTube or Spotify. It could be wow. somebody from Partisan Records, you know, whoever signs up. And there's also, you know, there's no like age restrictions or anything. Like we have mentees who are like in their 40s who sure. have just, you know, started in the industry in the first couple of years and have just received so much benefit from being paired up with somebody who's younger than them. And so a, mentor, so a mentor has to apply for this or is this something that they're entitled to? Um, well, anybody is entitled to join the program if you are an A2IM member, but uh-huh. yeah, we just do have a brief application process that you can go through. And that's just to make sure that we're, you know, um, customizing the pairs as best as possible to, to complement one another. Gosh, I love that idea. I, I, I think that is so cool. I, I mean, yeah, that's really interesting. It's really interesting, like pairing people, you know, however, however you do that. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe you we just actually, use have, a, da- um, a dating app or something, just plug in the... <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, our, our members run the program, which is even cooler. So we have a mentorship committee, and that's made up of about five HYM members. And they're the ones who oversee the entire process, the Very pairing, cool. they do the check-ins, they do the wrap-up reports, any of the little mini happy hours that we host together. So it's it's really like member-run and four members. So it's, it's nice. You know, I, I just think um, even just meeting with a peer, uh, it would be so incredible just because of that. That you, uh, what do you call it? Where like you know, two brains come together and then like a third brain is created. I can't remember what that term is, but basically, like <laughs> this magic happens when two people are are trying to tackle a problem. All of a sudden, their two brains together, you know, creates uh, a, a concept that neither of them individually could have, or a solution that neither of them individually could have come up with on their own. I just yeah. love that. Oh. It's very cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. All goes back to community. <laughs> is um, it, uh, what what's the options for international uh, labels, or um, how does that work for? So you you do if you're joining as um as as a label member, you do technically need to own or operate masters within the U.S. I see. Um, we, uh, you know, we can, we, we can be flexible on that. You know, if you've, you've got a, a mailing address in the U S probably shouldn't say that, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we, we do have many yeah. members that are, you know, like obviously secretly group is based in, in, in the UK and U S we have some members who I are see. both in Canada and the U S um, right, right, right. but you, you, you should be working within the U S in order to join a 2 IM. Otherwise we would probably just direct you to your local trade association instead, because you'll probably get more benefit from there because a lot of the legislation yeah. and policy we'll be working on, you know, will be directly related to your work over there. That's that a good point. Yeah. I mean, on one hand, I feel like whatever benefits American indie labels probably also benefits international indie labels. Um, but you're right. There are a lot, I mean, Canada has one. So, yes, SEMA. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah, but we um we we do a lot of work internationally with the delegates. So um like we ran something earlier this year, a new conference that we created, which was called the Pan Am Indie Summit, and that was a way to connect all of the Americas, and okay. it was aimed at um, import and export and and networking for the rest the Western Hemisphere trade associations. Wow. So we actually worked with SEMA, um, with the Chilean uh, Trade Association, with WIN, the Worldwide Independent Network. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. Is independent music growing? I think the website says it's at thirty percent, thirty seven percent market share. Is that on the way up? Is there a a potential for a future where the majority of music is independent? I believe so, yes. And if you think now, independent actually makes up the largest section of all recorded music outside of all of the three majors, like 
no individual major oh, label organization okay. is now above 33%. Good so point. if you look at the independent sector as a whole, we are technically the largest area. So absolutely that number is going to keep growing. Um, whether that will be through labels or through DIY self-releasing artists is, you know, definitely to be seen. But if you just, if you kind of think about the ecosystem that we're in now, it has never been easier to, to be an artist. Now to be a successful artist is a, is a different story story yeah but to to get your music out there to upload it to have you know a tangible way to send your friends to spotify or itunes or something like that like it's it's never been easier i mean think about like we've got companies like distro kid and and tunecore and sure. cd baby like you can pay like a flat rate for the entire year and all of a sudden you're an artist so i i definitely think that number is going to grow i think it's going to be um We've got to see how the, the services that help us get there, how they're going to um, receive that yeah. and how they're going to support that. And I think that is something that's very important to keep an eye on. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do foresee us continuing to um, to move in a positive direction. It seems, I mean, obviously the objectives and goals of a major label and an indie label are different. And a, a lot of the, you know, some of the major labels, it's about shareholders and with some of the indie labels, it's about um paying rent and i just wonder you know i i hope i've always felt powerless as an independent um and you know you really do hope that one day um you know we can make whether it's it's through just the the, the bigger group but one day that we our demands can be whether it's towards spotify or whatever our demands can actually um you know have a bit of authority sure um I, I want to ask. I, I let's talk about you. We talked a little bit about the the distinction of of being independent. I mean, it, it's hard for us uh, small indies to feel united with the larger indies. At some at some point, it feels like there is like a big gap between you know uh, a a major indie who's winning Grammys and then and then a mm -hmm. DIY startup. How is the distinction of independent still important? Is it important? How is how can we kind of create unity uh, between all of the non-major label record labels? The, the non-major majors? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that, that's a great question, by the way. And I, I, I think that kind of goes back to what we were, we were talking about uh, right when we, we first started our conversation is about really looking at what those labels contribute back to, to the environment that they're in, right? Mm. You know, um, are they breaking barriers for smaller labels? Are they standing up to big tech? Are they taking actions that are really going to benefit our, our sector in the long run? I think that's really how I, I kind of look to assess their, um, you know, again, like, uh, I'm trying to think, you know, like, A2IM works to support independent labels of, of, of all shapes and sizes. That is just our primary remit, sure. right? You know, and, and we do our best to be as, as fair and equitable as possible in that mission. As I mentioned, the way that we, um, you know, we calculate our dues. We even do at the Libera Awards. We have Label of the Year Awards um, that are broken down into small, medium, and large categories That's based right. on employee size um, to ensure we're giving a fair chance for all of our That's members great. to shine. Mm. 
Yeah, you know, there's there's still definitely a common ground between indies. It's that you know, uh, it's like that fuck yeah, gotta get this shit done attitude, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I've I've worked at a major label before. I've been in the independent space for a long time now. It's it's still a massively different environment, and you you still really need a different way of thinking and and a different attitude than what you see in the major world. Mm. Um, Regardless of size, if, if you still embody that mantra and, and you own your masters, of course, <laughs> you yep. know, I, I think you're entitled to wear the indie badge. That's very cool. I think a lot of the conversation about here, let me see if I can communicate this thought to you and, and, and get your opinion. And, and if I fail to communicate sure. it, then we can just move on. But uh, <laughs> I, I think I think about the conversation about Spotify rates as an example when it comes to royalties per stream. And I've seen the accounting on artists of various sizes, and I can see why the rate isn't actually that bad for artists who are doing tons of streams each each day, you know, especially of older catalog titles. But I have artists sure. who may never break a thousand streams on any of their songs. And for those artists, like the Spotify rate is unsustainable. But for big indie artists like Bon Iver, who might get a million streams a day, the rate is probably sustainable. I guess, okay, I guess what I'm trying to illustrate is that the problems of small labels are maybe not mm-hmm. seen as problems for larger indies. And, and sure. I'm, I'm just not sure, is there a loud enough voice for the, the super small artists to be heard or to see any change? What are, you, what are your thoughts? Does that make any sense? Yes, definitely. Um, I mean, we we try to be that voice as best we can. You know, if a a very tiny label comes to me and they're having a legitimate problem with Spotify, and I'm not saying like they didn't get put on an editorial playlist. Yeah, that's obviously not, you know, not not what we can help with. And you'd be surprised the amount of people that, that do ask for that. But if they are, you know, if they're a jazz musician and the jazz playlist has not been updated in months on Spotify and they have music that should legitimately be on there or that's an artist that is, you know, generally added to that type of region and that playlist is just simply not getting any type of love or any mm. type of interaction or it's not being readily updated, like that is an issue that we would flag to Spotify on their behalf because I that see. is just an unfair play towards a specific genre. Right. Um, so so we always try to step in for, for um, you know, issues like that. Or we had another issue where a member had um, a specific type of music that was a specific genre and it wasn't really being placed where it should have been based on tabs and um, internal, mm. like, uh, not to get too, too detailed, yeah, yeah. but just, you know, some, some internal tagging systems because of Spotify. And, um, you know, again, that was something that we were able to intervene. And this was a tiny label too. You know, this isn't somebody who would normally have the resources or the means to get directly to, you know, the head of Indies sure. over at Spotify. And, yeah. you know, we were able to to mediate in between and, and help them resolve this. And it was done in a friendly manner too, right? You know, Spotify obviously doesn't want any type of negativity or bad blood with any of our members or mm. anybody that's utilizing its platform. So, I do think we we step in where we can. Of course, there are always going to be those issues, right, for the little guy. But we we try to mediate as 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 best as possible. And um, again, we hopefully look to those larger labels to to set the example and 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 to pave the way for those little things that some of the smaller labels for are sure. dealing with. If, yeah. if you are a positive contributor to to the environment that you're in, then like it it makes all the world's different. Our are you hopeful for the future? I mean, I hear a lot of uh, negativity and I and there's a lot of obstacles, you know, the pandemic of course and and what it's done with with pressing times and then and 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 playlisting is is becoming a little a lot more evasive. Are you hopeful for the future for indie artists? I am and 
the reason because of that is because we go back to that ethos of what indie means. It means that got to get this shit done attitude, right? Right. So (laughs) that means that no matter what, we will sustain. And that means you need to be flexible and you need to be nimble and you need to be open to feedback and you need to be able to adapt your, um, uh, the line that you're going in. Like, yes, I, I, I do believe that we, we will be successful because we are able to embody all of those qualities. I don't think that it will necessarily be easy. And I, I mm. think there is a lot of work ahead, especially to recover the major setbacks that we've seen in the past year and a half. I mean, just touring yeah. alone, the the amount of damage that has done to small small artists that truly, truly depend on those shows is it's heartbreaking. Um, so we've we've got a long ways to go, but I I I do believe that we have success in the future. Yes. I have a million dollar question for you. You're around a lot of indie record labels, is there a common denominator you've seen in successful record labels? And by successful, I I don't necessarily mean financially successful, but um, is there a secret sauce? (laughs) I know it's a million dollar question, but what are some common denominators you see amongst labels that really impress you or inspire you? Um, I hope I don't sound like a broken record because I've like you know, pushed this so much in, in, in this past hour. But like, honestly, staying connected to your community sure, is like yeah. the number one thing that I would say. Make sure you have an understanding of everything that is going on around you, whether that impacts your label, whether it impacts a friend's label, making sure you're up to date on all legislation that could directly impact your artists, um, getting your name out there, making a presence for your label and having people know who you are. So mm. when a collaboration opportunity comes up, you're in the back of their mind and they reach out to you. Like, yeah, really getting immersed in the community is, is the number one thing that can help you with success because we are like such a tiny community and it can really be closed off if you, if you don't open the doors. So that's great. Making sure that you, you know, you, you, you're in the know, you're in the yeah. loop and that there's so many ways to do that. It doesn't, you know, obviously, of course, if you're, you know, qualify for HIM, I'd love for you to go to HIM, but like, look at the, <laughs> Um, the community that you've built, Scott, right? You know, sure. literally, that's a subset community that everybody goes to. Like every time I go on the Facebook page, that um, group is constantly updated with comments and questions, and it truly feels like a safe and open space for people to ask uh, to show their uh, to show their vulnerability and ask questions yeah, they may not, you know, yeah, that's true. Normally, want to put out elsewhere. Like fostering that is is just a, a huge key to success in my eyes. You know what? That's a really great point. And I, and you think of the times where you've caught a, a quote-unquote lucky break for your label or as a professional individual, and and it all comes back to not who you know. That's such a negative term, all who you know. But sure, it really sure. is, you know, it's uh, because I was kind to this person and and I, you know, spent time with this person or I previously worked with this person. So it really is, um, th- you're right, community is is really huge. Yeah, like go out to that network. Obviously, you know, post COVID, go out to that networking session. <laughs> like, go to that show. Like, make an effort to speak to people. It can be very intimidating, but it is so beneficial in the long run. Yeah, um, you know, just just for somebody to know who you are, what you do, what your label ethos is. You never know what opportunities are going to come in the future, right? Um, so, really, I'd I'd say that's my tip. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Um, I, I want to, I mean, you know our community, you've been in the group. Um, is yes. there a call to action you have to our listeners um, with respect to, to A2IM? 
Absolutely. Anybody who has any interest in joining our organization, whether that is as a record label owner or somebody who is on the service provider side, I would be so thrilled to chat with you about A2IM and, you know, see if it is relevant for you guys to join the organization. And if you guys aren't quite there yet, if you're still at the a little bit more of the entry level point, then I would love to chat with you about A2IM artists and, and see if that's a program that could help you out as well. Thanks so much for doing this, Alyssa. It's been a ton of fun. Oh, yeah, of course, Scott. This was great. I'm I'm glad we got to chat. Thank you all for listening. If you listen on very high-quality headphones and you listen very carefully, you may have heard the cicadas in the background of my microphone. That's because I was a little bit cocky this week and I left my window open um, because it was hot up here and the cicadas cut through and uh, they're a little annoying, but what can you do? I hope you enjoyed that interview. I, I certainly did. I found it very informative and it's such a great organization and it's nice to have an organization of that size and of that stature um, who have our back and who are working for us constantly. I think that's really exciting. Go to a2im.org to find out more about them or go to our website, otherrecordlabels.com slash a2im and a2im is spelled A and then the number two, I am. Thanks for listening.